that's your testimony. I hope you stand amazed at Jesus' love and his grace and his mercy for us. Uh, none of us deserve it, but he lavishes on his children. He pours it out on us. Amen. So that ought to make you want to smile, first of all. Can everybody smile at me? Oh, awesome. Amen. I love it. I love it. Now keep smiling and turn around and tell somebody, you sure do look good this morning. Amen. Let's greet one another in the Lord, if you would. and go ahead and be seated. We've got just a few announcements I'm going to give you. That's some good fellowship going on, isn't it? Amen. This is a family, so that's what family sounds like. Amen. We're glad you're here. I hope you are gearing up for a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, week. And uh, man, we're going to have a, a good time. I hope you spend time with your family. I hope uh, there's a lot of laughter around the table and joy. And uh, man, just God pours out his blessings on us. Uh, just a few announcements. First of all, any visitors in the house today? We don't want to embarrass you, but we do want you to fill out a card so we know that you were here. Any first-time visitors, just lift up a hand if you would. Thank you right there. If we can get them a card. Anybody else? All right. Uh, we, uh, Brother Nelson's going to get you a card. If you would fill that out, put it in the offering basket on your way out. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, don't forget, giving can be done. Uh, there's envelopes over there. You can uh, give in an envelope with a cashier check. You can also give online now, and that's on the screen there. That tells you how to do it. Just go to giving.landmarktyler.com. Set it up one time, and then that's the only time you got to set it up. Uh, don't forget, we always need volunteers. Uh, so I'm going to give you where we need help, mainly in volunteers, the yard team and the cleaning teams. Uh, these uh, rotate. Uh, you probably if you get on a cleaning team or a yard team, uh, maybe once a month, uh, uh, just a trying not to burn anybody out, but that kind of depends on how many volunteers we have. So uh, if you can be on a yard team or a cleaning team, see me, and uh, I will hook you up with the right person. That helps the church save money. We don't have to pay people to do those things. Uh, we also need help for Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Always need help in children's ministry. Even if you're not a teacher, if you can just kind of help us uh, corral kids, herd cats, you know how that is. Uh, so uh, they, they need help, just somebody in there kind of helping them uh, control things. So uh, see, uh, see me if you can do that. And then I want to thank, give a big thank you, man. Uh, if you were not able to be here this past Wednesday night, we had an awesome uh, Thanksgiving family meal. And I want to thank everybody who cooked, everybody who organized. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. Uh, I mean, the house was full. I don't know that the house could be any fuller than what it was. And uh, we just had a wonderful, wonderful time in the Lord. All right. Uh, but now this Wednesday, what we normally have done for the last few years, because uh, Thanksgiving week is so full for everybody and uh, people have extended, yeah, baby, <laughs> because everybody has extended family and you're probably trying to do, uh, you know, dinners for everybody. Uh, we've done this the last few years just to give you time with your family and for you to cook and do all those things. 
there will be no Wednesday activities this Wednesday before Thanksgiving uh, to give you time to be with your family. I, you know, I'd be okay if everybody just said that. Every time I preach, you just say, yeah, baby, amen? That, that's as good as amen to me, all right? Uh, so um, then don't forget uh, that next Sunday will be movie night, uh, the last Sunday night of every uh, month. We've been uh, showing The Chosen, so uh, come and do that 6 p.m., free popcorn, free candy, free Jesus, amen? Uh, we are now taking donations for our Christmas Angel Project. That's where we uh, have Christmas for a lot of our kids. Uh, we, uh, especially all of our bus kids that we bus in on Wednesday night, uh, we're gathering money to go buy gifts for them. Many of them, I know last year when we gave out the gifts, we try to get every kid two or three gifts. And many of those kids, that was the only Christmas gifts they got uh, last year. So uh, we're continuing to do that. So if you wanna make a donation for that, uh, just make a note on it that it's for the Angel Project. All the money will need to be in by December 17th because uh, all of our children's workers will go shopping uh, before uh, the 20th because our party, our Christmas party, will be Wednesday, December 20th, and that's when we'll give out all the gifts, okay? So, again, uh, you can start giving towards that. Just If you do it in an envelope, just mark it, uh, Angel Project, or if you give it online, just make a note on there when you give online Angel Project, all right? Uh, also, last year we started a new tradition. We had a tree that was a... Uh, Christmas uh, tree family ornament and so it's uh, kind of our family our this is your church family whether you knew it or not brothers and sisters in Christ and so we had a tree that was nothing but uh, ornaments from home that are special to you that mean something special to you and you can display those and so we'll have a tree set up in the next uh, couple of weeks or so and so bring those if you made one if you brought one last year just bring it back uh, if you didn't then we want you to find a special ornament and hang it on the family tree, all right? You can go ahead and start bringing those too. Uh, last but not least, least uh, we're taking a mission trip to Monterey, Mexico. Uh, that's the dates on that are February 24th to the 29th. You can see me if you want more information about that. There is a sign-up sheet just for interest on the back table. So if you're interested in going to Monterey, Mexico in February, see me. We're going to go down there and see uh, Brother Pablo and be at his church and spend some time down there with them. That's their uh, anniversary, so... Well, uh, we have a song we want to share with you this morning. It's kind of a new song, and uh, I love this song because this reminds me of some of the, uh, the 80s uh, songs that we used to do, just the style of it. But it's called Running Home. I don't know. You may have heard it on KBNE. They play it a lot. Uh, it's called Running Home. If you would stand, and I'd like you to, uh, to learn the chorus with me at least, all right? It is a new song, but we're going uh, to try to teach it to you, all right? It's called Running Home. Here we go.
to be a testimony to all of our family, God. Lord, would you help us to love people right where they're at? God, would you help us to love our families, God, unconditionally? God, would you help us, Lord, to just be there for everyone? God, would you just help us to, God, just love everyone at the table? God, even those that are hard to love, God, I pray that, Lord, you would move in an incredible way. God, as we continue, and Lord, as we have Thanksgiving this week, God, May we have it with a grateful heart, just praising you, lifting up our hands, giving honor and glory and thanks to you. We praise you for everything you've done in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering if you would. You may be seated. Hey, one thing I forgot to uh, announce because I had it written on a separate piece of paper, but uh, we do have uh, Chris Hobbs, his... Uh, um, a memorial service is going to be Saturday, December the 2nd at 2 p.m. So and, uh, uh, we, everybody is invited. So uh, you come and we want to celebrate Brother Chris's life. All right. Saturday, December 2nd at 2 p.m. Hey, this is Brother Ronnie filling in playing the bass for us. Give Brother Ronnie a big hand. Amen. 
Awesome. Brother Ronnie, thank you, brother. Children's Church, yes. So we have Children's Church. We have the younger kids. We'll meet Miss Louisa over here. Miss uh, Tracy Littles is going to be doing our uh, big kids over here, uh, giving them the lessons. So uh, the big kids meet over here at this door. Little kids meet Miss Louisa over there at that door. We just thank all of our children's workers, everybody who helps with our kids. Yeah, give them a big hand. Well, it's Thanksgiving, and uh, last few years I've, I've done a, uh, a message just on uh, basically a thankful heart, but I wanted to just, something's been on my heart lately, and uh, you know, I tell people all the time, my preaching will many times be what I'm going through or what I'm dealing with, or just maybe simply what the Lord has laid on my heart. Uh, and so many times I'm not preaching at you. I'm really preaching at me or I'm preaching what I need to hear because that's kind of where the preacher a lot of times comes up with what he wants to talk about. But uh, this has been on my heart lately because I've seen um, not just young people but adults struggling. Uh, I've seen many Christians struggling because you and I, I believe we're living in the end times. And you read your Bible, it's very clear about it. Amen? You read what's going to happen. And uh, listen, I've read the back of the book and we win. That's the good news. Amen? The hard news is, yeah, that's good. Uh, the hard news is, is that it gets worse before it gets better as we go into the end times. And I don't think anybody here would disagree with me that things just continue to get worse and worse. And what you can see, what's on the screen there, we live in an unholy culture. Used to be back in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s, that everything, you know, everybody went to church. Uh, you know, everybody was proud to be an American. Everybody, uh, you know, most people went to church, or even if they didn't go to church, most people were proclaiming Christians. Uh, that is not the case anymore, is it? In fact, I would say you are now not, if you call yourself a Christian, you are not in the majority you are now in the minority. So what does that mean for you and I? That means that you and I, we've got to get bolder. We've got to learn to take a stand because we are living in an unholy culture. But you've got to be careful because the devil is a lot of things, but he's not stupid. And he eases his thinking and his morals in many times, and he kind of slides it into our culture to where we don't even realize it's affecting our morals and the way we act and the way we react. You say, well, what do you mean, Brother Mark? Well, I'll, I'll just tell you this. Uh, let's just talk about, let's start with television. How has television progressed over the last few decades? <laughs> it gets worse and worse, doesn't it? What I can watch in my living room, some of the words that come across that television in my living room now, and listen, I have the most basic of basic of cable. But now, again, what came in, even if, even if you didn't have cable, now we all have streaming, right? And things that you used to have to pay money to go see at a movie theater to see certain scenes or to hear certain language, now that is an everyday occurrence in our homes, isn't it? And the devil is a lot of things, but he's not stupid. He has slipped those things into where our children hear that language constantly. And you say, well, I don't talk that way. Even if it's not coming out of your mouth, if it's coming across that television screen, it's coming into your home, isn't it? 
And so what the enemy has set up is he has uh, tricked us into allowing this unholy culture into our very own homes. Every time we turn that television on, the things that we watch, we have this thing now called the Internet. Is anybody here besides me old enough to remember pre-Internet and pre-cell phones? I know it seems crazy, young people, but there was a time where we had, didn't have any of these and we did not have the World Wide Web. Now, again, inanimate objects in and of themselves are not evil. Is that television evil? No. The, the television is an inanimate object. Is this telephone evil in and of itself? No, it's an inanimate object. But the devil takes the things that are created and he learns to use them as his tools. And all of these are simply tools. You can use them for God. Listen, I can get on this thing and I can witness to somebody in China right now in real time. And they could, they could ask Jesus into their heart right now. I can use this for, for good, but I can also use it for bad. The things that I allow it to enter into my heart and my mind, I can choose whether to let those things be pure and holy and good, or I can choose to let those be the worst, most vile things of this world, can I? It's all my choice. So this thing, the television, the phone, the internet, they are not evil in and of themselves, but they are tools that can either be used for good or for bad. Unfortunately, we live in a sinful, broken world, and most people choose to use them for what? Evil, the bad things in life. And we live in a culture today that says, well, you know, hey, it's culture. You, you Christians, you have an old-fashioned mentality, right? You ever been told that? You Christians have an old-fashioned mentality. And you just need to, hey, culture has changed, and you need to change your morals. You need to change your thinking. Y'all need to lighten up, all right? But I'm here to tell you, this is going to be a little bit of an old-fashioned preaching, amen? Because I'm here to tell you, the Bible says it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It never changes. His word does not return void. And the same morals that the Bible set forth 2,000 years ago, or however many thousand years ago they were written, it still sets forth those same morals and those same codes today. Even Jesus himself said, because you know everybody got to be about grace when Jesus showed up, and even Jesus himself said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. The law is there for a purpose. You see, and you've heard me preach this sermon many times. The, the law is like the fence line. And God has safety and protection and favor for you inside the fence line. But he gives you a free will. And at any point in time, you can choose by free will to step out of God's fence line. And God says, that's your choice. I'm a king, not a beggar. But if you step outside of my fence line, you step outside of my favor, you step outside of my hedge of protection, you step outside of the things that I want to do in your life. You step outside of the blessing. Amen? So, let's dive right in, all right? Heard the old country song? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's Sure, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Still true today. Here's the first thing you need to write down. This world is not your home. You and I are called to be different. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. Would you stand with me to honor the word of God? I know we don't always do that, but I want to do that today. 
First Peter chapter 1. If you can't stand, don't worry about it. But uh, Let's honor the word of God. Starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Lord, I know there is nothing good in me today except you. So, Lord, I ask you, move me out of the way. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Use me as your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. For many of us, the greatest obstacle to following Christ is our desire to fit in. Why do we give in to an unholy culture? Because everybody here wants to be accepted, don't they? Everybody here wants to fit in. Back when we were teenagers, we called it hanging with the cool kids. Remember that? I want to be with the cool kids. You remember the dynamics and the political correctness of the high school lunchroom? Remember that? Remember, I don't know how your high school lunchroom was, but mine was, you know, it was sectioned by tables. And if you were with the jocks, you sat over in that table. If you were with the, what I called them back in the day, I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but the goat ropers, uh, the goat ropers were over there. At that, that's anybody in the FFA, and anybody want to hang around the FFA. Uh, and then there was the nerds. There was the smart people, you know, that made all the good grades. They, they sat over here at this table. And so everything was divided by tables, and you did not venture outside of that, did you? But the one table that everybody wanted to sit at was the table where the cool kids were. And listen, from day one, that's been all of us. We just want to fit in. We want to be considered a cool kid. We want to be considered. And so does that go away once you graduate high school? No, it does not. It manifests itself in different ways as we become adults. But you get a job, you go to work at a company, and uh, whether we want to admit it or not, that, that desire is still there. We still want to connect with the good people, the people, you know, that we think everybody thinks is cool at work. And so we want to be accepted by that group. Um, but God did not create you to fit in. Let me say that again. God did not create you to fit in. God created you to stand out. And if God created you to stand out, what does that mean? He created you to be different. That verse we just read and talks about be holy because I am holy. God says, I didn't call you to look like the rest of the world. I called you to be different. And you're going to see how culture has tried to lie to us. Um, culture has tried to lie to us. God never says that you blend in. You are set apart. You are different. Jesus said it this way. Wide is the road and broad is the path that leads to destruction. In other words, if you choose the way of the world, that's a big highway. That's the road most everybody's traveling on. But if you want to do the right thing and you want to be different and you want to live a holy life, that is a narrow, narrow road. And so wide is that highway that leads to destruction. And that's the one everybody is on. You see, many people want to say, well, you know, uh, Jesus, 
let's look at Jesus. And a lot of people don't read their Bible, and they're speaking ignorance. Here's what culture has lied to you and say, and it's a lie straight out of hell. Well, you know, Jesus, he just loved everybody. So, you know, we just need to accept everybody. Jesus was love, and Jesus was tolerant. No, he was not. Now, does Jesus love people? Yes. Can I tell you this, though? Love and tolerance are not the same thing. Now, especially young people, you are getting a very, very different message. They're telling you, oh, everybody needs to be taught. Tolerance is the key word to the point where tolerance becomes intolerant because we want to be tolerant towards the things we want to be tolerant towards. But then Christianity, what happens with Christianity? You know the one group that nobody's being tolerant with and everybody's intolerant with? Christians. Right? So culture has just taken what we've done and it's just shifting and it puts just enough truth in it to make it sound good, but it's a lie straight out of hell. Jesus did love people. Did Jesus love people? Yes. And here's the defense that people use. Well, you know, Jesus, he hung out with prostitutes and with sinners and tax collectors and drunkards, and Jesus hung out with them. Listen, Jesus didn't hang out with them for the same reasons you hang out with them. Jesus did not hang out with them to do the things that they were doing. Jesus hung out with them to bring them to life change. Life, he was not tolerant of their lifestyle. He loved them. He loved them where they were at. And this is, we, we have an old saying in Christianity, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. And that's really what Jesus did. He loved everybody, but he understood that sin is what makes everybody broken. And he was not tolerant towards what they were doing. Every sinner he encountered, when he had, went to dinner with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the, the drunkards, he was not telling them, y'all, I just love you. Just keep doing what you're doing. All roads lead to heaven. It's all good. That wasn't what Jesus was saying. Jesus, the entire time, was calling them to repentance. He was calling them to life change. So you and I have got to understand what culture, the lie that it wants to spew to you is that, oh, well, you know, let's all just be like Jesus. Let's all just love everybody, be tolerant of everybody. All roads lead to heaven and everything's going to be okay. As long as your heart is pure and your intentions are pure, it really don't matter how you live. That is not the same Bible I have. Amen. Jesus loved them. He hung out with them, now, and he did. He had the harshest words for the religious people. But I'm here to tell you, he didn't cut them any slack either. They were just in a different type of sin. The sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and the drunkards, they were in one kind of sin, but Jesus was like, these people were just sick. They just need a doctor, and I can help them. Now, this group over here, the religious people, they had self-righteousness. They, they were holier than thou. They lived in legalism. Their sin was different, but it was still sin. It's a different kind of sin. In fact, Jesus said, you know what? I can help these people over here a whole lot easier than I can help these people over here because they got a different kind of sin, and it's an even harder sin to crack. That's a harder nut to crack over there. So I'm going to hang out with these people. I'm going to change them first, and I'm going to keep telling these people over here, you're not right. You need to change it, all right? But listen, was Jesus tolerant towards any of them or towards any of those lifestyles? No, he was not. He had very harsh words. And he drew people to himself because he knew he was the key. All right? So young people, as you're going out there into life, 
Well, Brother Mark, what should I do then? Love people. Love people like Jesus did. Love them. But don't go out with them to participate in the same lifestyle that they are. Listen, I have homosexual friends that I love. But, and they know my stance. They know I love them, but I am not tolerant of their lifestyle. I don't approve of their lifestyle. I think their lifestyle is against God. Brother Mark, that's not culturally correct. I'm sorry, and I don't care. It is biblically correct. And what we need to understand is we don't need to be culturally correct. We need to be biblically correct. And so those folks know, they know I love them. They could call me in a moment's notice. I would be there for them. Uh, in my other job, uh, I run sound at events. I ran into one of my friends the other night at an event. And I made it a point. And this guy is deep into the homosexual lifestyle. And he was there with his uh, boyfriend, husband, whatever he is to him. And I just made up my mind. I said, Lord, I'm going to just, I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to love him. I'm just going to hug him. I'm going to love him. And I'm going to tell him how, how good it is to see him and how much I love him because I want him to know that. And you could tell this guy was not expecting me to be there. And you could tell because I had been his pastor at one point. And you could tell it made him highly uncomfortable. Made the sugar daddy over here real uncomfortable. <laughs> but I wasn't there for him. I was there for my friend. And I loved, I hugged his neck. And I said, I love you, man. And it's so good to see you. How are you doing? And we didn't talk long. We just caught up for a few minutes. And I could tell it was highly awkward for him. But I had made up my mind. I want him to know I love him. I love him. And I, I want him to not be in that lifestyle. I want him to choose different. But I wanted to call him to repentance. Listen, now, do I have my own issues? Yes. Do I have my own sins? Yes. Are those sins any more sinful than homosexuality that he's living in? No. So I have a lot of grace and mercy towards him. I'm not saying don't have grace and mercy. But listen, Jesus is calling me to repentance out of my issues, and he's calling him out of his issues to repentance. It doesn't work any different for him than it does for me. And so I just want to love him where he's at, but I'm, I'm not going to say I'm tolerant of that lifestyle. I'm not going to say, well, you know, the Lord understands and everything's going to be okay. Listen, now, they're just in sin. It's no more different any sin than I do. And you may say, well, Brother Mark, you don't understand. I got a family member who's living a homosexual lifestyle. Well, congratulations. If you didn't realize it by now, everybody in this room's got a family member who's in a homosexual lifestyle. So don't think you're anything special. Well, I know, but, you know, I just want them to know that God loves them. God does love them. And listen, and, and it's, it's sin. It's because... We are all been, we are all born, and I need you to hear this part right here. We are all born with a bent towards some kind of sin. Everybody in this room is an addict to something. So we are all born with a bent. Some of you, it's alcohol. You are born, and because of what you grew up in, and because of the DNA, and because of the home that you were in, you are highly more likely to be an alcoholic. And you struggle with that because you were born with this bent towards that sin. And can I tell you, the scripture is very clear about that. We live in a sinful, and for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You ever read that scripture? So we all have a bent towards sin. Now you say, well, Brother Mark, what's yours? I don't know. You tell me yours first, and I'll tell you. Yeah. That, that isn't even the issue. The issue is, is that we all have a struggle with something, and one sin is no worse than the other. But I'm here to tell you, 
None of us have the right to justify our sin. Whether it's a homosexual or whether it's overeating or whether it's overspending money you don't have to go into debt or whether it's gossip or whether it's self-righteousness, I don't care what it is, you can't justify it. I can't stand up in here and tell you that, well, you know, I, God's okay with that. God understands. Yeah, God understands. He just don't understand like you think he understands. He understands we are broken and sinful, and we live with this bent towards sin. And we don't need to be self-righteous about it. We don't need to be condemning about it. We just need to call people towards Jesus Christ. My job every Sunday is to stand up here and to call people towards Jesus Christ, to call them to repentance. Why? Because the preacher's perfect? <laughs> no. Because the preacher's got his act all together? No. The preacher struggles just like you do. And don't let any preacher tell you any different or try to paint a different picture. Amen? The preacher is a human being, and he's flesh and blood just like you. And he's a sinner just like you. We all struggle. So I want you to very clearly hear what I'm saying today. I'm not saying be self-righteous and condemning and say, y'all need to stop that sin and you need to be like me. Oh, Lord, no. Lord, no. Because your sin is self-righteousness. So get off of that. But we just need to call people to Jesus because he will bring about life change. Listen, if you're an alcoholic and you struggle with alcohol and that's your bent and you're bent towards that, you're going to have to fight that probably. Now, can't God deliver from you it, it, from it instantaneously? Yes, he can. But 90% of the time, I'm telling you, or 95% of the time, you're going to have to struggle with it. He's not just going to take away that desire. And you've got to work through it. And you've got to struggle with it, all right? But you keep leaning into Jesus. Why does Jesus, why, do, why does God leave those things in our life? Because they're the things that draw, drive us towards him. If you and I didn't have a problem with sin, and you and I didn't have a problem struggling with anything, why would we need God? And it, it, he uses these things and these hard times and these challenging things and the death of loved ones and, and uh, you know, bad things happening to good people. God uses all of these things to drive us towards him. Because in the end, this life is temporary and it will be over very soon. This world is not my home. But there is a thing called eternity waiting on the other side. And that's where he says, once you get over here, then everything's different. But right now, you live in a sinful and a broken world. And there's going to be struggles. And it's not God's fault. But, you know, God, bless his heart, he gets all the credit, but he also gets all the blame all the time, doesn't he? Well, God, why'd you let that happen? Well, God, why'd you, why'd you let my grandma die? Or God, why'd you make my daddy do this? You know, or, you know and, and God says, you have a free will. And there's sin in the world. And that's why those bad things happen. And he says, you've got to live in that world, but one day, if you know me and I'm your Savior, you're going to live over here in this world. And all that will be done away with. Every tear will be wiped away. Every pain, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. Amen? So why does it matter? Many people today in our culture will just tell you, just live like you want to. It don't matter. Why does it matter? First Peter 1, 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Everybody say amen. amen. 
Verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. All right? Um, I want you to take a picture of this or write it down. God's highest calling for you is not your happiness, but your holiness. You see, culture today, it wants to lie to you and say, well, God wants you happy. God's main goal in life is for you to be happy. You know what problem that is? Some of you have children that have grown up and are in a life that's way outside of God. And quite honestly, for lack of a better term, they're spoiled brats. And you know why we raise spoiled brats? Because we raise children and we don't raise them to be godly men and women. We just want them to be happy. And if you raise a child, and everybody here probably can think of somebody right now. But if you raise a child and you ain't about anything but that child's happiness to the point where that child runs the home, you don't run the home, what do you end up with? A spoiled brat who does not know about work, who does not know about anything. Do not raise a child based on their happiness. Well, can I tell you this? Your father is the same way. God's highest calling is not about your happiness. It's about your holiness. He has called you out. He has called you to be separate. He has, here's the word that's used. It's a big word, sanctified you. You know what sanctified means? Set apart. Set apart. He has called you. He has sanctified you. So you are to be different. It's not about your happiness. Well, Brother Mark, where do you get that from? Let me just tell you a little bit from my counseling journals. Brother Mark, I'm just not happy in my marriage. She don't make me happy anymore. He don't do like I want him to do. I'm not happy in my marriage, so I'm going to leave my marriage because surely God wants me to be happy. Sound familiar? That's what many people think today. Why is our divorce rate just get higher and higher and, and probably higher, at least as high, if not higher, in the church? Because people are biblically ignorant. That is a covenant that you made between you, your spouse, and God. And it really has very little to do with your happiness. It has to do with your commitment. It has to do with the covenant that you made before God. If it's only about your happiness, every time you hit a rough spot in the road, which should take maybe two weeks, maybe less, uh, you're going to bail. Because you're going to say, this is not worth it. I didn't sign up for this. This is too hard. Listen, if marriage was easy... Everybody would still be married. There'd be no divorce, and everybody would be fine. But listen, you know why marriage is hard? It's probably because of you. Because marriage is made up of two imperfect people who are struggling in their sin and have carried all that baggage into their marriage. All right? All you can do in a marriage is be the best version of you that you can be. Called out, set apart. Be a husband that is called out and separate and be different to your wife than other guys are to their wife. Wives, be different to your husband than other wives are to their husbands. Be different. Be set apart. Be called out. Here's another one. Brother Mark, I don't make a lot of money, but I see that house over there and I want it. 
You know what the you know what'll happen? You know what happens in this culture? People will just give you money. It's called credit. A lot of people living on credit. And they will let you buy houses you can't afford. They will let you buy cars you can't afford to drive. They will let you buy clothes, all kinds of things, jewelry. They will let you buy all kinds of things that you really can't afford. But the devil tells you, oh, you got to have it. You need to go into debt. You know what the average household debt is, on the average household credit card debt? This blew me away because I don't have any credit card debt. You should not have any credit card debt. Average credit card debt is $9,000 on credit. Do you know what the interest rate on that $9,000 is? It's, it's incredible. It's crazy. It's high. And you, you try to dig yourself out of that hole, and the hole just seems to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen? God has given us what we have here, and we are called to be good stewards of it. Amen? Live in your means. If you can't afford it. My parents lived in a day where, and this is going to sound crazy, but see if you can grasp this. If we don't have the money in the bank, we, we can't afford it. So we ain't going to get it. Seems very simple, but it worked. Amen? But what happens is they, they found out how to get us. They found out how to draw us in, didn't they? All right? Brother Mark, you're getting hard. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, for young people, or not even young people, this is anybody dating. Dating. I know, I know what the Bible says. I know we should wait children out here we should wait for sex you know sorry i know we're all adults in here and i know we should wait before we sleep together but you know what we, we love each other <laughs> and i've heard this one a lot but you know brother mark i know we should wait but in our hearts we're really already married <laughs> sometimes you don't realize the stupid stuff that comes out of people's mouth until you hear somebody else say it and you go oh i see that sounds dumb when i say it amen but that's what we, what do we call that? Personal justification. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what my flesh wants. I want to do what makes me happy. And so I know God understands. No, he does not. You cannot justify your sin. Surely God wants me to be happy. No. And here's what happens. This is another one. Take a picture, write it down. Without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. Look at it again. Without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. I have to give you bad news. God does not exist to serve us. God does not exist to serve us. Actually, it's the other way around. We exist to serve him. In fact, that's why you were created. You ever wonder what your purpose was? Number one purpose in everybody's life in this room is we were born with a purpose to serve him and bring glory to him. All right? To be holy. Um, let's go back to parents and kids again. Parents, how do you instill these values in your kids? Uh, everybody here, I think, would say probably, well, I want to raise kids to be, you know, that are godly young men and women and respectful and that love the Lord, and they'll marry another Christian, and then they'll have kids, and they'll have a nice Christian home. How do we, how do we raise kids like that? Does it, does it just happen by accident? No, here's, here's what we've got to understand. In order to raise kids like that, you must model how to be different. 
Listen, I, I didn't sit down and have a class with my kids on how they were to date other people, how they were to treat other people. You know where they picked it up from and where they pick it up at your house? How did I treat their mother? How did their mother treat me? How did their mother and I interact with each other? Did we cuss each other? Did we call each other every name under the book? Did we, when we got in the sandbox, did we throw sand at each other and just get angry with each other? No, everything is caught, not taught. Now, can I tell you this? Does that mean you're not to teach your No, please teach your children. Let the words come out of your mouth. But they're looking at your life a lot more than they're listening. And so way more is caught than taught. So my kids, the way they turned out with all their flaws and their good things, it was what they caught from what was modeled before them. What was our household like? What was, our, was our household perfect? No, I can guarantee you it was not perfect. But Julie and I, we tried to model what we wanted them to be. We wanted them to see what kind of person to be by the way we lived our lives. If you think you're going to live one way and your kid's going to turn out another way better than you, you've lost your mind. Amen? You can't expect children who are different from the world if you're not. You can't expect children that grow up and be respectful and happy and well-adjusted and mentally well-adjusted if you're not. Amen? Because here's what we want. I hear this all the time. Well, I just want my kids to do better than me or have it better than me. They don't need that. They need to see exactly what they need to grow up to be. And they need to see it modeled in the home. Because that's the only hope you have, really. Because we are fighting this culture and they're getting, once they hit about 12 years old or even less, they're being way more influenced by the culture than they are by you. So from zero to about 11 or 12, you better get it in as good as you can get it in. Because once that starts, the clock's ticking. And, you know, most of their values are already established by that time. Once they hit 11 or 12, their values and, and what they're going to do and how they're going to turn out, most of that's already uh, in them. All right. Uh, culture says Jesus showed love and was tolerant. I got ahead of myself, gave you the key thing before we ever started. Uh, but I was so excited to give it to you. Love and tolerance are not the same thing. Write it down. Take a picture of it. Culture says Jesus showed love and was tolerant. Love and tolerance are not the same thing. Jesus loved people in their sin, but he did not condone their sin nor was he tolerant of their sin. He called everyone to repentance, to change their lives, and to live for him. I'm going to ask the band to come as I give you these last two points. So the band's going to come back up, and we're going to end with a time of response and then a time of worship. But I want you to look at these last two statements. And I'm going to wait till they get in place because I know how everybody's ADD is, mine included. Amen. All right? Throw the first one up there. Everybody needs to hear this. And this is not for the person sitting next to you. This is not for your husband or your wife or your spouse. This is for you. Jesus is not tolerant of your sin. Jesus is not tolerant of your alternative lifestyle. Now, you may think that only has one meaning. When you and I think of alternative lifestyle, we think of one thing. But can I tell you this? 
every time you live in sin, that is an alternative lifestyle. It's the alternative to the way the Lord wants you to live. So really, every time we live in sin, that's an alternative lifestyle. And Jesus is not tolerant of your sin, and he is not tolerant of your alternative lifestyle, whatever it is you struggle with. All right? The second thing is this. He loves you, but he is calling you to spiritual transformation. You know why this message burned on my heart so much? Because I see young people and middle-aged people and even older people just giving in. This is just too hard. And I've got news for you. It'll get harder before it gets easier. And I see so many people just giving in. That's just what culture says. Let's just roll with it. It's too hard to fight them. It's too hard to fight. It's too big of a, too big of a battle. And I'm just weak. I'm tired. I'm sorry, Lord. This is too hard. I can't do it. I can't, I can't live a set-apart life. I can't live for you. I can't live a, a life. I like my sin too much. It's my comfort. Uh, it's my security blankets. I know you understand. And God says, oh, I understand. I understand. You're caught in your sin, and you need to be set free. And those whom the Son has set free are free indeed. But he is a king, not a beggar. He is calling you. He is wanting you to lay it down. And I see so many people, Christians included, just giving up. That's why this message is burned on my heart so much. Because I, I just see people giving up. I see some of your faces. And in your face, I just see, Brother Mark, I'm just, I'm too tired. I just, I give up. And I want to tell you today, don't give up. Don't give up. The key is not how you start the race. Everybody starts the race good. The key is how you finish the race. And unfortunately, I see very few people finishing the race good these days. So I am compelling you. You and I, time is short. Your goal and my goal is to change this world and take as many with us as we can. Because guess what? Whether you want to realize it or not, we are on our way out. And you may say, well, Brother Mark, you know when Jesus is coming back? No, I sure don't. But guess what? I'm 60. Fix me 61. On my best day, I'm in the last chapter. And tomorrow's not guaranteed. You may be younger than that thinking, oh, I got plenty of time. You don't know that. So whether he's coming back for you, whether you get to meet him on the trumpet on the day, or whether you're going to die and meet him, it's going to be way quicker than you thought. I'm fixing, in January, I'm going to turn 61, and I'm like, where, where, where'd 60 go? Because every year, the older I get, every year, you remember when you were a kid, a year seemed like eternity. And now, a year's like a week. And I'm like, where, where did that go? You know, here we're fixing to go into 2024, and I'm wondering, what happened to 2023? That was way too quick. That's just the way life goes and the Bible told us, it says that this world is like a vapor. This life is like a vapor. It's like smoke. It's there for a moment, then it's gone. So guess what? Your job, my job, is to live every moment till our last breath proclaiming him and living for him. Not judging people, not condemning people, but calling people to Jesus Christ. Life change and spiritual transformation. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?
Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I'm not sure if, if I were to die right now, if I'd go to heaven or hell, I'm not sure what, what would happen in my life. He is as close as a prayer away. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, Brother Mark, I've been saved, but I have wandered far away from him. Guess what? Just like the prodigal son, the father is waiting with his arms wide open for you to come back to him. So if that's you today, if you need to ask the Lord to be your Savior, or if you need to recommit yourself to him, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me because he is just as close as to that prayer today. Would you just pray this prayer in your heart with me? Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. And I admit I need you. I need a Savior. And right now, the best way I know how, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and save me from myself. Now, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. You may think, well, that was a simple prayer. It doesn't take a lot of head nod. You don't have to know theology or be a seminary graduate. You just need to be able to recognize you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. And He is as close as that prayer. If you prayed that prayer today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today as a prayer of salvation or recommitment, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Now, we're going to have a time to respond to that. Maybe you need to come and join the church because you're not part of a church family. Maybe you need to come today and have somebody pray over you. And I'm going to have a couple other guys here. Hayden's going to be on this side of the stage. Brother Martin's going to be on this side of the stage. I'm going to be in the middle. You just need somebody to pray over you. We would be honored to do that. If you just need to come and pray yourself right here at the altar, you are welcome to do that. Father, have your will in your way during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? And we're going to sing a little bit. You respond if you need. You come forward if you need to.
We're going to have prayer in just a moment. We want to have some special prayer today, but we always like to end on a song of praise. So if you would, sing with me. The solid rock, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. Let's sing it together. special prayer. Miss Pat came. Miss Pat, would you come forward? She just asked us if we could pray together as a family. Her husband, Brother Bill, 
as many of you know, has been having some issues, and uh, they cannot figure out why his breathing is so labored and what's going on with him. He's having another heart test tomorrow, and uh, as you know, she's very worried. And uh, listen, this is part of what a family does. Amen. Uh, when one weeps, we all weep. When one hurts, we all hurt. And so we uh, we're worried with Miss Pat. And so. I'm just going to ask those of you that would like to come and lay hands on her, and we're going to end by praying over her today and for Brother Bill, all right, and what goes on. This will be our closing prayer today, okay? Well, Father God, we love you, and we love Miss Pat. We love Brother Bill. Lord, we know that Brother Bill, he's been struggling with these health issues for a while now. And Lord, I know it worries Miss Pat. It worries the family, God. And I just want to pray, God, you give them an answer, Lord. And I just want to pray, Lord, that this test tomorrow would reveal something, God. Sometimes the worst part, even bad news would be welcome rather than just not knowing anything. And so I just want to pray you give them some answers tomorrow, Lord. I pray that this test tomorrow would bring about some answers and some direction in treatment, God. And Lord, we just put our trust in you, Lord. We know you're the great physician. Uh, Lord, we know that you use the doctors, the nurses, surgeons, everyone, God, to bring healing, medicine. But God, there's nothing better than the great physician and our healer, God. So we ask you to touch his body, heal him, Lord. Give him breath in his lungs, God. Strengthen his body. Give him energy in his body, Lord. And, Lord, again, I just want to pray for answers. That's more than anything. That's what we want. We want answers and a, a way to treat, God. And just uh, I pray that you make his body stronger, uh, make his lungs stronger, God. And, uh, Lord, I pray that even right now that he just have an energy and a strength and breathing like he hasn't had in a long time, Father God. And we love Miss Pat. God, help her. Uh, Lord, take her worries and her fears, anxiety, God. We just lay them at your feet, Lord. Wrap your arms around her. Give her incredible peace, peace that passes understanding, God. And help us to stand around her as her brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you.